listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. And I'm Evie. And we've got Isaac in our headphones, fact-checking and avoiding the cops by revealing the location of the podcast recording an hour before we start. (laughs) (laughs) It's across the street from the police station. (laughs) (laughs) And joining us this week, uh, she's the host of the Jeffrey Combs Appreciation Podcast, Reanimates. It's Lisa Dibb. Thanks for coming on, Lisa. G'day, g'day. Thank Hello. you for having me. I'm intimidated. <laughs> Don't, be. Don't even, Dibbo. We're all really dumb, so we take pride in this. <laughs> yeah. I know, but, but that that's the thing is that I've I've known almost all of you for many years and so uh, i i know you i know you off pod um, <laughs> but but you know in you know on on the pod you're very good at uh, to talking about things so <laughs> <laughs> I've known you all for many, many years. And on the pod, yeah, this sort of shit. I didn't realise you guys had coherent opinions. <laughs> um, Lisa, I do just have a really quick question uh, up top about your podcast. Go on. Um, uh, who the fuck is Jeffrey Combs? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll buy it. What's a Jeffrey Combs? <laughs> yeah, I really should have a have an FAQ on my on my Twitter or something, and that would be that would be question one. Um, he's an actor. He's an uh, he's my favorite actor. I don't expect people to know who he is because again, he's not like a mainstream name. Um, very much a cult figure. Um, he also has done a huge amount of horror movies, so. If you're not super into horror movies, you might not be aware of him. Yeah. Um, and he's uh, which makes him even scarier. <laughs> 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 he uh, yeah, he's just um, he's just he's my favorite guy. Um, I uh, I think it was last year in lockdown. Uh, my my lockdown activity was uh, the incredibly productive activity of watching all of his films. Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, yep. You know, so, some people uh-huh. some people baked bread. Some people took up a hobby. Some people got really good at something. I just uh, watched uh, often bad films, um, <laughs> uh, and then I and then I thought, as is so often the case, I thought this would be a funny podcast. Um, Yay! Yeah, <laughs> and I and I and I followed through with it despite myself. And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it's 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 been really fun. I just have people on, and uh, yeah, often. Often they don't know who Jeffrey Combs is when they watch the film that <laughs> that I assign. <laughs> and uh, sometimes they don't know who Jeffrey Combs is even after they've watched the film, which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that it's like it's a podcast for like raising the awareness of your film. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Like, yeah, it's not, I'm not going to do a podcast that has mass appeal. I'm going to do a podcast that brings the appeal to the people. You need to know who Mr. Combs is. I'm terribly sorry. Lisa, what's in, just like a, a sentence, what's the appeal of Jeffrey Combs? Like, what's the, what's the pull? He's, he's incredibly uh, charming and enigmatic. Um, he's just interesting to watch um he's very chameleon-y um you know when i think about like his most famous roles they're all wildly different so it's it's not so much like a he's a big ham like a nicholas cage or like a vincent price or something he's like just just earnestly good yes yeah he is and he has um (laughs) i gotta look into this guy yeah he 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 has a sense of the nicholas cage because (laughs) he does a lot of horror movies which often require him maybe to be a bit bigger or more boisterous um but he's just interesting to watch, you know, the choices he makes. Oh, you know, he has a background in theatre. Um, 
so yeah, if anyone's uh, if anyone's looking to uh, start off their Jeffrey Combs appreciation, uh, <laughs> I recommend uh, even if you're not into horror movies, I do recommend uh, the Frighteners, which is a film he did with Michael J. Fox. Oh, I know the. Oh wait, who is he in that? He's a uh, Milton Dammers. He's the FBI agent. Oh. <laughs> it's that. It's that guy. Lisa, is he basically like one of those guys who, like, when you describe who they are, everyone goes, "Oh, that guy! He was that. He's a that guy. That thing. Yeah, he's a that guy. Yeah, yeah. I I, I love my parents sat me down to watch The Frighteners when I was a kid because it was advertised as like a family comedy. It's got Michael J. Fox in it. No, (laughs) they came back in a couple hours and me and my siblings just ashen face. Yeah, it is. Um, it's it's it's. I guess it's hard for me to judge because I watch a huge amount of horror movies, so I don't find horror movies scary, basically. Um, but uh, it's it's it, it's not too spooky because the um, it's a Peter Jackson film, and uh, the effects are of the time. I think it was ninety six. Yeah, it would have been about eleven. That that checks out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the effects are a little bit hammy. So it's, so I don't find it that spooky. But but that's a, that's a good that's a good uh, starting point. And uh, obviously, Reanimator is his most his his most famous role and absolutely one of his best. But uh, y- you don't have to like Jeffrey Combs or even know who he is to enjoy the podcast because um, I'm obviously incredibly entertaining and funny <laughs> and. <laughs> And I always make sure that my guests are. Uh, otherwise, I fucking kick him to the curb. Why'd you um, get Lang on that? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> He's not here. That's a cheap shot. I'm just kidding. Like, yeah, it's a fucking good app. No, it was a it was it was, it was a pity pity guest. Um, no, <laughs> no, I love I love Sorry, Lang. Lang. <laughs> I love Lang. Lang's He's great. I do I do have a quick follow up question to that as well. Just that you mention it. Also, Lisa, um, what the fuck is a podcast? No idea. <laughs> no idea. A question we've been trying to answer for 90 episodes now and still nowhere close to finding the answer. We keep bloody getting distracted by Ozpol every time we start to figure it out. <laughs> I, think, I think a podcast is when you feel the need to create content out of hanging out with your friends. <laughs> oh, yeah, quick, let's move on to the podcast. Quick, 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 Cut the camera. <laughs> Hold on, everything's shaking around me. <laughs> So this week we all saw the protests that happened in Melbourne throughout the week and we're going to cover a whole lot of it because there's so many interesting parts to the high-vis conspiracy theory, neo-Nazi, CFMEU, blah, 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 rallies that happened. But I wanted to start this episode this week with a bit of... Not only good news and solidarity action, but a bit of a contrast to the protests that we saw, because there's a bunch of protests that you might not have seen, that you might have missed because of the big protests that happened. But over the last fortnight and coming into the week that this episode is going to be released, there's a fuckload of industrial action taking place. Uh, Star Trek workers went on strike for 24 hours over shit pay and conditions during negotiations. FedEx workers are actually going on strike this coming Thursday. Cadbury workers went on strike and didn't make chocolate for a full day. 
Can the power that workers have? I'm sorry. A day without chocolate is a day not worth fucking living. Um, also, the Accolade wine workers had a 24-hour strike. There, there is risk of there being no chocolate or wine during fucking lockdown. <laughs> what a sassy mum's going to do. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if there was ever a bunch of protests to get sassy mums on side, that's the that's the way to hook the like the centrists yeah. as well. Just- <laughs> I was really impressed by like so many postal workers going like so FedEx and Star Trek. Star Trek, by the way, is a subsidiary of Australia Post. Um, that's their courier arm. I thought it was a sci-fi TV show. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Damn it! Oh, damn. <laughs> I can only apologise. <laughs> It's so impressive that at a time when the volume of packages, because we're all in fucking lockdown and everyone's ordering their stupid little treats, we're working from home, um, (laughs) the volume of post is at an all-time high and it turns out there's a lot of people in precarious conditions not getting paid enough who are like, fuck this, pay me more and make sure that I'm safe while I'm doing my job because it's an essential job. Yeah. It's It's been fucking amazing to see and, I mean, solidarity to... All of these ones unequivocally, as we'll probably get through the rest of this episode. There's some equivocation to be done <laughs> on some of the actions we've seen this week. Nah, mate, they're just having a whinge. Bring me my presents. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking hell. It's and it's something to keep in mind as well is stuff that we've covered on the pod a whole lot. I wouldn't recommend going back and listening to all of our episodes because they're very timely. And, you know, kudos to the people that actually go back and listen from episode one of this podcast. It's very weird to be getting, like, David Spears (laughs) interviewing Scott Morrison from, like, October 2019. Like, okay, if that... That's what you're into. Yeah. If you want a podcast that it actually makes sense to go back and listen to, to previous episodes of, I hear that reanimates. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's not to the week topical every fucking episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is the thing is that something we've covered a lot last year was just how many fucking strikes were taking place and being effective. So everything that we're going to talk about with this huge CFMEU row that kicked off is to just keep in mind that industrial action is fucking good and it's effective. And we saw a lot of workers over the last probably 18 months, two years, really come to realise the power that they wield and just how easy it is to wield it by just going, nah, this is really bullshit. Do you think it's bullshit? Someone else going, yes, I do. And everyone going, fuck it, let's walk off the job. It's great. Yeah. So what I reckon we should do, just to frame it for the listener, so we're all sort of aware what we're doing going in. The, the, these protests were fucking massive and they went over a number of days and there are a lot of different points to talk about. So what we're going to do is hit every day in sequence and sort of talk about the things that we find interesting about that day or the lessons to be learned from that day, blah, blah, blah. Um, Because otherwise we're just going to talk about workers' rights the entire time in a big fucking mess. <laughs> it's going to be unlistenable <laughs> and horrible. Um and I want to make sure that everyone realizes that when we say protests, we're doing the important thing of putting protest in air quotes because <laughs> you see everyone everyone talk about these protests, oh, these these protests as big air quotes because it's like, oh, we actually believe that they're okay with whatever's going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so here's the thing then. All right. Monday. 
We all saw the CFMEU headquarters in Melbourne was assaulted by a rabble of people. Um, the frontage of the officers was smashed in. There was a whole bunch of shouting and fighting amongst the protesters themselves and amongst the, the bosses of the union and the people outside. And it's been pretty contentious about how this started. Who was there? What was the initial sort of, sort of push? And over the last week... A whole bunch of reporting from The Guardian, The Age, Crikey, the fucking Twitter experts, has sort of pretty definitively said that there's no real evidence to suggest that the initial group of people that were at CFMEU headquarters were anything other than aggrieved rank-and-file union members and workers from job sites. A lot of people coming out saying it was just Nazis. They were all right-wing agitators. They were all fucking, you know, crisis actors or whatever else. And it just doesn't seem like that is the case. Because a bunch of workers, as we talked about last week, if you want to go back and listen to last week's pod, um, <laughs> there was the tea room strike on Friday. Tea rooms were shut down. They didn't have anywhere for a smoke or break. And workers went, fuck this. There was also the proposal saying that they have to get vaccinated before they can go on site. And they were given like about a week to make sure that they get their first jab. And as we've also covered, it can be very fucking difficult to get your first vaccine. So people were worried about not getting work. There were also proposals about um, they wanted people People to work uh, six hours with no breaks, but be paid for eight hours, which is bullshit. You need breaks while you work because like if you just stretch that out, asking someone to work 16 hours, but you'll pay them for 24 just doesn't make sense either. Like people need breaks. But the main point is workers were genuinely like, fuck this. We want clarity. We want to know what our union bosses are up to. We want to know if there's going to be action and we want to know where they stand with this vaccine mandate because also vaccine hesitancy has been bubbling up in rank and file members of the union. But what ended up happening, according to this research and this reporting, is that the fucking kook telegram groups, the freedom rally, the anti-lockdown groups on Telegram and Facebook, infested with fucking neo-Nazis, by the way, got a hold of it at around 10 o'clock. I just want to like interject here. Um, I've said this before, but I'm really mad that the, my platform of choice for getting all my friends off Facebook back in like 2014 <laughs> yeah. or 2015 yeah. <laughs> is now become like a hub for cookers because it has really easy to use communication channels. Like mm-hmm. stop stop putting slander on Telegram's name. It's actually really cool and it has nice stickers. <laughs> it's got such weird stickers. I think that's probably why journalists keep referring to encrypted messaging apps oh, as my opposed God. to saying Telegram because they also use Telegram and they're like, we don't want to be lumped in with that. That's Mitch, bad. do not even get me started on that. Every fucking communication app is an encrypted chat app, you dumb fucking gronks. Oh, my God. Facebook Messenger is an encrypted mess chat app. Fuck. Anyway, yeah, but it doesn't sorry. sound like a James Bond device. Weighing in as the tech expert. Telegram's not even really that encrypted. No, it's not. <laughs> it's only one-to-one chats. The groups are just in plain text. But anyway, but sorry. <laughs> Mitch, as, as you were saying. So, so what ended up happening, though, is around 10 o'clock in the morning um oh sorry for some very important context that saturday protest that happened the weird one where they were running around richmond fuck arsing about and punching on with cops that was also supposed to be directed at the unions and they couldn't get into the city so they decided to change the date uh sorry the location at the very last second and so when the telegram groups and facebook groups heard about something happening at cfmeu they fucking got super excited about it. And then the the citizen journalists, quote unquote, I don't really want to give too much time to, but there are a bunch of grifters like Avi Yemeni who get, they, they say they're impartial, they say they're journalists, and then all they do is parrot right-wing talking points and promote them and get become friends with 
right-wing white nationalists and whatnot. <laughs> Unlike us, <laughs> who come up with our parroted left-wing talking points <laughs> of our own <laughs> initiative. But what seems to have happened is that that is what brought people to the CFMEU that then made the protest quite violent and agitated. It was a whole it was an influx of people who were told on these messaging apps to uh, buy high vis and blend in to the crowd. Uh, you know, make sure you look like a worker. And that swelled the numbers. And so by like 11, 30, 12, the numbers had grown. Agitators were there alongside genuinely aggrieved rank and file members and non-affiliated just workers, just tradies um, who were also there. And that's when shit started to bubble up. That's when those people took over. And as we've seen across countless fucking lockdown protests, the the most cooked units are usually the loudest and unfortunately the most charismatic. And that seems to be why this shit kicked off. And then shit went violent and they started sort of roaming the streets angrily like a night out on the Gold Coast. I mean, as you've also been talking about this a lot, Mitch, in in, in our, our private chats and stuff, this this was like partly because the you know some charismatic members were like, oh, let's you know let's actually properly start some shit. There was also like a lot of drunk people there. <laughs> well, this is something that I haven't seen talked about enough, and you'll see it on every single day of these protests. The amount of fucking people sinking. Pre-mixed bourbon at like <laughs> 10 in the morning. Like really, really big like pre-drinking for a music festival vibes from the whole fucking week. And like they're, they're not at work. They're at a protest. They're with mates. Yeah, let's get on the piss. And like the, the role that alcohol played in turning these people fucking violent, but also giving them the energy to walk around angrily for hours at a time. Like we have a fucking drinking problem in this country. And this is a good highlight of that issue. So the CFMEU has had some problems in recent times because their leader, John Setka, has been (laughs) accused in multiple instances now of um, perpetrating domestic violence. Um, There's also been lots of allegations in other contexts about him being intimidating and a bully and that sort of thing. Um, And it doesn't seem like the leadership is keen on getting rid of him. As a result, um, and there's a lot of contention within the union and also by other unionists who say correctly, um, in my opinion, that this is not the kind of person that you want leading a union who, you know, yeah. is not, you don't want an abuser at the top of a large union that is arguably one of the most effective unions in Australia. Um, it yeah, sets it sets a bad example. You want, you know, you want to set a good example for all your members. Um, and... The other part of this is, of this entire conversation, is that what did the CFMEU know about rising anti-vaxxer sentiment in its ranks and, you know, the concerns that they have? Were those concerns brought to them and what have they done to mitigate that? And we'll go into this a bit later about, like, you know, what unions should do, especially when it comes to vaccine mandates. But I think I've said this, um, you know, a couple of times, but... To me, vaccines are a fundamentally pro-union thing in itself in that you show solidarity Mm. with the people that you work with, with the people that you live with by getting one because it doesn't just protect you, it protects everyone around you. So not getting a vaccine- Solidarity at the chemical level. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It it is. It is like literally like the most emblematic thing of solidarity because when you get one, it says- I want to protect everyone around me. I want to make sure that nobody gets sick in getting this. It's not an individual thing. 
I, I also want to uh, point out how sort of the, the reverse of that uh, phenomenon is the, um, the upper rank and file of the CFMEU, like rallying around to protect John Setka, being like, we're a union. We're nothing without our boss. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense at all. Well, Any he- union, according to me, should fire their boss every 20 minutes just on principle. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're a union. Two interesting things both of, off of both of those points is that um, part of the reporting this week has revealed or also just linked back to articles from however long ago showing that um, when Sector took over, he pretty instantly started to branch stack the CFMEU and fill it with his friends and like-minded people, family members and stuff as well. So when you say the leadership are hesitant to get rid of him, that's partly because a lot of the leadership are just like, they're there because of him and they like him personally. Um, it's, it's the CFMEU fundamentally has a boss worker structure yeah 100% that's and that that's <laughs> fucked um but the other thing as well either you ask like you know how long has the union known about it according to uh, Zane Alcorn who I saw speak at the campaign against racism and fascism like zoom conference on the Tuesday night just gone um a lot he's he's said himself he's a, an annoying member of the CFMEU because he will constantly bring things up to the fucking bosses of the union and that's something that they've been pushing the union has been like wishy-washy on the vaccine mandate and wanting to try to play both sides and keep it very political, blah, blah, blah. And he's been saying, along with a bunch of other people, we have an issue. You need to do something about this. We have an issue with non-members being roped into the ideas of the union as well and they're not being protected the right way and all this sort of shit. It's like, they've known. They've known for a fucking while and they sat on their hands and did fuck all about it and they have not supported their workers properly or powerfully for the last two years. I don't think they've done enough to, like, to... It's not just about dispelling anti-vaccine messaging. It is you have to frame it within the context of where you are, which is having a vaccine is something that is solidarity. Is there a sort of rise in that, and this is something that I think has affected the general public of Australia as well, that sort of... American style individualism of you know fuck yeah. you I got mine um yeah. which is obviously you know been quite prevalent in <laughs> a lot of right wing or even centrist um American media I mean that sort of um sentiment infiltrating the unions would be so I mean possibly more disastrous if it if it entered into the unions because it's like well fundamentally what is the point of you then yeah no yeah, totally the, the sort of like oh you can't tell me what to do though it's like no you, if you're working together then some telling people what to do ha- does have to happen it's, really <laughs> important. It's, it's crucial yeah it's it's that's that's been a big thing of like you know we're seeing that society-wide, but you're right, especially in the unions, is that we have an individualistic, atomized uh, culture. And so it's really hard to promote a vaccine on individualistic grounds to, like, you know, young 21-year-olds who don't give a fuck, who think they're bulletproof and do not really care about helping other people. It's like, well, what's the vaccine going to do for me? How can it help me? And it's very hard to pivot to. It's not about you, fuckhead. Get the vaccine and help everyone. We're all in this together, as Morrison likes to say about billionaires. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I've I've known people in my family who are look, I I I I I hate to say anti-vax, but certainly uh vaccine Not hesitant. Pro-vax. Mm, yeah, <laughs> somewhere in the middle. And it's 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 been a really interesting conversation trying to trying to a figure out what their reasons are behind the hesitancy or the fear. 
but also it reminds me a lot of uh, I think it was an article for I think maybe the Atlantic, a very popular article that went around where the headline was uh, basically I don't know how to make you care about other people. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which is like <laughs> if you already one. don't give a shit about other people. I can't talk to you in a way that's going to make you come around to this point because you fundamentally have failed at the first step. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting, Lisa, because that um, – I was just reading something just yesterday. I'll have to find it and put a link in the show notes, which is that a lot of people studying anti-vax sentiment in the US, um, especially like the most rabid people, basically think that it can't happen to them and they want other people to be hurt. It's mm. really like just the grim way of doing it. It's like they think that like all these pre-existing conditions that could make COVID worse for them won't happen to them, but anyone mm. else deserves to get sick. And it's usually people who have never been seriously ill in their lifetimes. But like that sort of individualism, yeah. as you said, really feeds into that sort of, you know, that attitude. And I mean, it would, I think America has a very specific sort of melting pot of conditions that leads to that kind of like, attitude becoming more virulent but it is scary to think that maybe that sort of individual conditions are starting to happen here too where people are feeling left behind to the point where they actually do feel well fuck you i don't care if you get sick or die i just care if i am okay and i want what's good for me and this is what i think is good for me um, I, I think there's also a bit of that Oh, there were some articles going around when Donald Trump got elected um, over in the States. He was their president for a while. Um, and there was like a, <laughs> a, 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 a sort of thing of like his sort of campaign promises were in the form of like, I will hurt your enemies rather than I will help you. Mm. And there's sort of that appeal as well of like, yeah. oh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's going to be the sort of the, oh, maybe not the lefties, but like, that sort of individualistic sense is not just I'm only concerned about myself, but that concern extends to I want people that I don't like to be hurt. Mm. And I, I think there's something in that that sort of mentality as well. I'm always interested in the way people vote, I think, is very, very indicative of where their priorities lie because so often the case, and I usually, I would come from it from, a, from an Australian point of view, obviously, which is, so often the case in, you know, the whole liberal versus labor messaging, it so often is just the liberals will come out and say, labor do this, so don't vote for them. And then labor come out and say, the liberals do this, don't vote for them. And then fundamentally you have to ask, yeah, but what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> Not that. Yeah. No. But I, yeah. I, I, I worry that the problem that people find with the vaccine here is that we haven't had the same experience with America or India or or any place like that that has had really widespread cases uh, where a lot of people here probably don't even know anyone who's gotten sick and possibly, you know, a lot of people wouldn't know people who have died from it either, so they don't have a personal connection to the virus and therefore they think it's been overblown and they think that it's unnecessary hysteria until obviously <laughs> it affects them personally because god forbid they try to empathize or relate to another person well even on that there is a a thing that's going around in a lot of the uh, articles and a lot of the people on twitter rightly pointing out that when you say that people think that it's overblown and they're worried about it 
um, affecting them in the wrong ways or for the wrong reasons. I think a part of that is because, as people have been pointing out over the last few days, functional unemployment is the same as it was this time last year, and yet our supports are demonstrably worse. People are getting less money. It's harder to get access to it. And so if you also think that the the vaccine, oh, sorry, if you think the virus isn't that bad and the vaccine is not really going to do much anyway, then being at risk of losing your job in that environment is fucking terrifying and aggravating. It's very like rage-inducing to be like, it's not that big a fucking deal. I've got a family to support. What the fuck are you talking about? That Without counter-messaging to that, which is where the unions have definitely failed, we end up with these situations that we saw on Monday where people are just like, fuck off. No, I want to keep going to work because I don't give a shit. It's not that big a deal. Mm. But we see Monday, we see all of the shit happen at CFMEU and then just around the city for a while because a big, big part of these protests is that they have fuck all organising taking place. (laughs) They just sort of fucking point and fire these angry people at an initial location and then mob mentality takes over. They walk (laughs) around the city for hours and they evade cops quite effectively because it's just a hive mind. It's just like a flock of birds where they just go, juke to the left, uh, miss the cops, go to the right. (laughs) And they- they just they just circle the city. They go up Burke Street and then they come back down again. They split in two and then they meet down at the bottom of another street. And it's just this weird spread of humanity uh, through the city. And one of the big things they do chant is uh, every day. And they make a promise that they'll be back on Tuesday. Um, and they also start chanting things like, you serve us at the cops, which again is something that leftists would fucking love to have at our protests. This is the thing I want to bring up about Tuesday. Tuesday is when we see the biggest amount of people in high vis attend a random location somewhere in the city and fuck about for like 12 hours. (laughs) They just go on an angry stroll through the city and we see many more genuine unionists come out to this one because they think that this is where we're finally doing the proper wildcat strikes. We see people with very clean high vis who I'm not saying for sure, but it seems probable that they're in the telegram groups where people are specifically saying, go buy high vis and uh, blend into the crowd. I know from personal or anecdotal experience, someone that I know who is not a tradie was posting on their Instagram, blowing kisses to a camera in very clean new high vis. I fucking saw you. I know who you are. I hope you're listening. Fuck off. You can buy <laughs> you can buy high vis and steel cap boots from Kmart. I bought steel cap boots accidentally for my first ever boots when I was 16. I was growing up in Ballina near Byron. I was like, I want Doc Martens and went to the city <laughs> in, my, in Brisbane, two hour trip up. And in my excitement, bought steel caps, which were a pain in the ass from that day forward, but I couldn't <laughs> afford more docks. So I just had work boots. I'm a fucking idiot. But the protest on Tuesday to me is is the the big one that leftists have always dreamed of having. And we ceded the ground to right-wing conspiracy theorists and neo-Nazis. And just as a quick point as well, something Tom Tanaki brought up, which I thought was really actually clarifying, is that when you hear people talk about the neo-Nazis in these groups and the white nationalists and whatnot, they're in these telegram groups alongside anti-vaxxers, anti-lockdown people, crystal healers and all that sort of shit. But you need to keep in mind that neo-Nazis and white nationalism themselves are conspiracy theories. 
That's why these people are primed to get into white nationalism. That's why there's a pipeline there. Because fundamentally, a big part of the neo-Nazi push is saying that we have an answer to your problems. Anti-lockdown people, anti-vaxxers go, we have a solution to your problem. Uh, the, the problem is actually caused by the Illuminati and Bill Gates. And so we can fix it. And neo-Nazis just go, oh, no, 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 no. It's Jewish people. In some way. And it's still just as much a conspiracy theory, but the people in these groups, the people who have been on fucking these online for two years in lockdown are primed to just make a very short shift from one conspiracy theory to another. It's just that the the, the neo-Nazi one is incredibly fucking racist, disgusting, dangerous politically as well. Well, people are but- angry and they're just looking for any outlet and... Sometimes uh, conspiracy adjacent or neo-Nazi or whatever it is, they just make their case very tailored to Mm -hmm. what people's current concerns are. And, you know, that's the thing. Neo-Nazis may not come out and say, G'day, we're Nazis. We hate (laughs) people of colour. Come join our club. Uh, I got a little stall up at the uni O week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get, you get a free uh, key fob or something. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so they 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 tailor their their benefits to what people's main concerns yeah. are, and then it's like, oh, I finally found this perfect group for me, and then it's only yeah. later they realise that they've got brainworms. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, if if they realise, yeah, I think there's also a thing of it. Leftist recruitment tends to also include some level of vetting to make sure that you're not, mm. you know, about to recruit someone who's fucking horrible. <laughs> Whereas the Nazis are like, hell yeah, that's yeah. a plus. That's a, that's, a, that's a way to get in. It's like, oh, this person's a piece of shit. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, deeply <laughs> violent? Come on in. We love your kind of <laughs> This protest on Tuesday too is just like... It's some of the loosest and genuinely most joyful shit I've seen a random collection of people get involved in. Mostly men, mostly, again, drinking, but definitely not all people like that. Also definitely worth noting as well is that on the Monday and Tuesday especially, uh, a little bit on Wednesday, it's not just a homogenous white mass of men. There are plenty of different ethnicities, cultures, religions on display. It is predominantly white people, but there is a mix of just aggrieved workers of any sort of colour, creed and whatnot you want to talk about. There's lots but of fam- during the fucking Tuesday march, they angrily walk around the city for a while, they go onto a major highway and shut it down for a bit, march to the top of the Westgate Bridge and have a fucking sing-along to Horses by Daryl Braithwaite. <laughs> <laughs> Why Horses, that song? It's not even a protest song, it's just a good song. <laughs> yeah. Just singing along with whatever's on the radio. I saw people observing that it's like uh, ironic that they were singing Horses Horses, considering that the anti-vaxxers love taking horse medicine. <laughs> like, is that what's behind it? I I mean, obviously, I'm on record as liking that song. I use it as the outro to this, but maybe they listen to this podcast. <laughs> no! <laughs> Look, it's we live fault. in Australia. There's no part of you that needs to go like, where did you first encounter horses? It's strange for you to know that song. But, but also, yeah. like, That's the way that it's going to be, little darling. <laughs> we'll be taking meds for horses. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Why that song? Like, is it just a song that people sing when they're drunk? I think it was just on a Triple M playlist. Yeah, it was literally either on the radio or someone had the Spotify list going of them just to, like, sing along to random stuff and, like, there was horses. Because I yeah, think, yeah. was John Farnham also there too? They had world's greatest barbecue songs on a Spotify playlist. <laughs> yeah, no, legit. Straight after horses, it went into Seven Nation Army and it was just a bunch of people in high. It was like, da 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 Like, it, they loved it. Seems and a bit on the nose. I really wish that they would have started singing, like, Midnight Oil or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Transition from horses into, like, Beds Are Burning and people being like, if, hold on. Yeah. Legit, if I would have melted if they just started doing any Rage Against the Machine song, I would have <laughs> just oh, dissolved. No, they love that. Fuck it's, you, it's, I won't do what you tell me, hey. Um, it was. Have you seen the clip of there's like do it the, I think it was the US, but do it like the military and cops doing like the yes the cover of that. <laughs> that was Australia. That was that was it. That was Australia. No, that was the Australian. No, that was Australia. No. Yep. No. 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 I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna edit that out. And it was the it was the whitest dancing. It was so fucking <sighs> like taking Rage Against the Machine and playing it through a fucking tuba. How white and horrible and cringe do you have to fucking be? Yeah, it's 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 like when Americans start playing Born in the USA, like like Americans from the right, and it's like you don't know that you don't understand this song, do you? You haven't actually listened to it. <laughs> it's not what it's about. Whenever, whenever, whenever there's an American thing, right wing thing, um, where they play either Bruce Springsteen or some other like protest song, the the singer usually has to come out and disavow it. I'm really mad that Daryl Brithwaite <laughs> has not come out and ava- ava- like disavow these protests. To me, killed, to, yeah, to me that says <laughs> something bad about Daryl Brithwaite. I'm sorry, Daryl Brithwaite. I didn't mean to imply anything about you, but also like, come on, just do it for me. <laughs> Daryl Brithwaite's silence is deafening, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> so the other, the other quick thing as well um, that I did love about Tuesday because there's no one to barrack for in this. The cops are also fucking useless, jackbooted, violent thugs in this whole thing. But they go to the top of the Westgate Bridge, and if if our listeners know anything about bridges, they know that there's usually only like one or two very narrow points to get on and off a bridge. There's a and way off, and there's a way on. It's yeah, a usually bridge. sometimes there's a, like a second way. It's kind on. of like a corridor <laughs> when there's a river involved. Yeah, it's kind of. All like right, in- all right. I'll buy it. What the fuck is a bridge? <laughs> <laughs> and so. As you would expect, they get onto the top of the fucking Westgate and there's not many places they can go, so they come back down again. And what is greeting them is like a scene from 300, but doughier and just worse, stupider, (laughs) is that fucking what looked like tens of thousands of cops, a couple hundred, are waiting for them (laughs) at the bottom of this bridge and they are cosplayed to hell. They've got their shields and they got those shin pads and there's the trucks and there's all of it. And the cops have blocked one side of traffic they've blocked the inbound lane going well the protesters aren't going to want to walk into incoming traffic we'll get them there (laughs) and the protesters very slowly just meander into incoming traffic and get around the cops instantly some of the best fucking footage of the last week they thwarted our plan it was so good there's these cops and they're standing there one leg forward in a fucking aggressive position and they haven't got an order to move so there's just these drunk dudes walking past them and there's traffic that's stopped and there's honking and they're just like hey fucking whatever here we go back into the city and I, i i again 
Tuesday to me is the leftist wet dream. If they were protesting for like climate change or proper working conditions or shit like that, this would be an amazing triumph for the left. It was very spontaneous. It had a flat hierarchy. People were fucking loving it and enjoying themselves. And they got around the cops a whole bunch through the entire day. And the fact that we haven't figured out a way to have a protest like this. The closest we I can think of is the hundreds of thousands of people that came out to the uh, climate change protest a while ago. And I stood in a line waiting to move for about an hour and a half because everyone was like, oh, well, we're going this one definite way and we've only got the one way to go. So, oh, we can't cut down this alleyway here. No, no, no. And it took someone an hour and a bit to go, do we want to just go down here as well? And people were like... Oh, I don't know if we should. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, we haven't cleared that with the police. Yeah, as as someone yeah. who's been part of an organisational team for a regular feminist protest march, you can assume which one that might be. Um, <laughs> it's it's it, it's really interesting to see in, in, inherently the the issues that you that you come across when trying to trying to create a protest type atmosphere yeah. um and and especially because the ones i've worked on have have been less about uh a- anger and protest and more more of a peaceful a peaceful march but more of a rally yeah yeah that's the word i was looking for and it's it's really interesting that as time goes on we don't see as much of the kind of protest that we want which is just rage like we're all incredibly mm. angry and frustrated and Every one of us would love to just go out and just fucking chuck a, a Molotov cocktail at Peter Peter Dutton's office. Not that I'm Minecraft. not that not that I'm encouraging <laughs> such a thing. Of course, I never would. I never would say. I never would say you should personally destroy Peter Dutton's office. Why would I say In that? Minecraft. <laughs> Why yeah. would you do that? A, a wild idea. Yeah, that that's insane. But, uh, but yeah, also, no. yeah, I, I feel like leftist protests can only can only go so far because i mean I, I still remember there was a uh uh like a pro refugee rally that i went on and oh my um, god lisa i remember you talking about this to me <laughs> well it was it was interesting because the route of the march was designed to go past peter dutton's office in melbourne in the city but it was a saturday no one was there <sighs> and so yeah fundamentally who is this for is it for us to feel better that we're doing something or is it to make the people aware of, of the, that we're here? Because they didn't know we were fucking there and if they, if they did, they wouldn't have cared because we were just standing outside. Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah, I think that, that that's something that makes people, I, I think makes people quite disillusioned with protest in or leftist protest anyway in Australia. It's too fucking polite. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think that there's a, a, a that fact that I was talking about before of the the alt right protests are uh, just perfectly happy to recruit violently drunk people, mm. and I think that it, for better or worse makes a difference to the sort of tone <laughs> of the protests that we have. Uh, yeah. So speaking of uh, violently drunk protesters with no proper organisation, Wednesday. Happened. Wednesday. Halfway through the week. (laughs) Big week. It's only Wednesday, Captain. Um, The fucking Wednesday protest to me is the weird tipping point. Mm. From from genuinely interesting protests that the left can learn a lot from, that the left should investigate and ask questions about ourselves, into like loose cooked units. Just being fucking loose cooked units. But 
Wednesday, the protest doesn't so much uh, happen from a starting point as sort of congeal randomly around a certain spot. If anyone listening has ever played uh, Katamari Damacy or those like Itch.io original games where you're a little blob and the more you eat, the bigger you get. No one knew where to meet on Wednesday. But as they ran into each other, the groups just got bigger. So four people would meet six. Those six people would watch a live stream and go to a park and meet up with 20. Those 20 people would mix blah, 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 blah. And they eventually turned into this big mass of people who without direction or organization from the people that initially said, yeah, we're going back into the city, we're high viz. They march around the city for a while, and then they go to the Shrine of Remembrance, a big, ugly monument to our deceased military personnel. And they go there, and they get trapped by the police, because the Shrine of Remembrance is a really bad place to have a fucking protest. It's really <laughs> it's like easy a bridge to- with only one side. <laughs> yeah, I was watching and- I was watching Inglorious Bastards the other day, and uh, Brad Pitt's character in that film makes uh, the very good point, which is, uh, why, would you have, why would you have a fight in a fucking basement? <laughs> i mean same sort of vibes they go to the shrine of remembrance and already like i'm watching these live streams and seeing the pics come out and i'm like it's not the best look to see a bunch of like young tradies and like some of them are topless and they've got like a straw hat on and they're sinking piss at the shrine and like it's looking pretty desecrate I'm not, I'm not, I don't give a shit about it. I mean, I've, I've spoken at length about this on the fucking podcast. Fuck anyone in the military of any country. But like in the national sort of psyche of Australia, there is this thing of like, oh, bloody support the troops, Anzacs. We're not American about it. We're Anzacs about it. You got to support the bloody troops. And it comes out after Wednesday that while they were there and being like kettled by the cops, essentially, and trapped in place, they were leaving cans of drink everywhere. They were pissing in spots because they obviously couldn't leave. And it really changed the sort of conversation around it. And you saw that over the next few days about how few people came out after that. Because I think so many tradies and whatnot were just like, oh, it's them. Right, right. Mm. No, I'm not into that. I don't want to be a part of that. I, that's, a, that's a bad look. That's a bad look. Pissing on the um, Shrine of Remembrance sounds like something that the right make up about the left. Mm. Well, the <laughs> left should true. be doing. No, it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that's that's the thing. One hundred percent. Like the the thing the thing about like the protest at the Shrine of Remembrance and what happened there is that like um, so a veteran actually came out and tried to get them to leave, and they instantly started going, "Is he even a real veteran? Fuck him!" Um, <laughs> Stolen valor. The These people, yep. the ones who are extremely prone to conspiracy theories, <laughs> so good, no. so good. Um, and like the head of the RSL was like, "Yeah, they, they desecrated, blah blah blah," and that definitely seems to have. Um, shifted a whole bunch of people in a lot of different directions. That's when it all sort of splintered is people didn't know how to um, uh, counter the narrative that they had just organically set up for themselves as being true haters. And this is what happens when these protests don't have leadership and organization. And my big worry is that this type of thing, this energy could be very quickly picked up by right wing people with organizing 
capabilities now. And I'm genuinely worried about the footage of what happened at the end of Wednesday making the rounds on Nazi telegram groups of uh, dictator Dan's cops shooting at protesters at the Shrine of Remembrance. Patriots who were standing up for free speech were shot at at the Diggers Memorial. With rubber bullets. Uh, With rubber bullets. We, We didn't need to mention they were shot at with rubber bullets. But the end of the day comes... And the cops, as they fucking love doing, shoot at these protests with rubber bullets. They start getting violent with them. And that's partly because they surrounded these people at the Shrine of Remembrance. And in one of the best things I've ever fucking seen, six or so people randomly in the afternoon took it upon themselves to be spokespeople for the group. And every single one of them was shouted down by just enough other people to go, nah, fuck off. You're You're not speaking for us. But the one thing that they did unify around was when a senior constable stood up in front of them and said, you can leave to the right on St Kilda Road and you will not be arrested if you go down that way. And all these big manly men with their big nuts went, no! And a chant of leave down the middle was started and took off because what they wanted was the cops to part like the Red Sea and give them a fucking parade like champions down the Shrine of Remembrance. And instead of that, the cops fucking open fired. And it was the loosest, dumbest shit I've ever fucking seen. It's also so childish of like, all right, you can leave, but off to the right. And they're like, no, (laughs) we we will leave, but in a different direction. (laughs) I am going to leave, but not because you told me to. Yeah. Yeah. We want to go. 100%. And the other thing, though, that was interesting, and just circling back on what we've talked about a lot about, you know, the left seeding these these people and their energy and their concerns to the... um, to the right wing and the conspiracy theorists and neo-Nazis. Someone who was at this um, rally on a live stream at the Shrine of Remembrance was talking about how he'd seen online how, you know, I I don't want to get the vax. And I've seen people, and he means the fucking Twitter drips and the Labour fans and progressives and centrists and blah, blah, blah. I've seen them online say that if I don't get the vaccine, I I should get no fucking treatment. How fucking inhuman is that? And then he went on to say... Do we say that about junkies? Do we say if you take those drugs, you shouldn't get any treatment? Do we say that about obese people? Do we say that if you eat all that junk food, you shouldn't get treatment? And I was fucking floored that this guy had even a fucking crumb of political knowledge and a left-wing talking point under his belt that he could enunciate eloquently about this whole situation. And it's like... They are right there for us. Some of these people, Nazis, fuck off into the sun. (laughs) But a bunch of them are fucking on a knife's edge between genuine conspiracy theory brainworms and right-wing demagoguery and just fucking socialism. Also, I just want to... right fucking here. I just want to interject there that, yes, people who are obese do get told that all the time. And maybe if someone told this guy, hey, by the way, all the people that you were talking about, they do get told that all the time. You should consider that maybe this is a widespread problem and maybe the Uh individual issue isn't the problem. Yeah, safe injection rooms come at a huge political cost. The the conservatives love to be like, oh, we can't support the, the drug addicts. No way. Well, here's the other thing as well. I would fuck it. I'd put a hundred bucks on the idea that he has said exactly those two things before in the past. That's why he knows about it. But (laughs) the fact that he still knows and he can still talk about it as a thing, like they're right fucking there. But the other thing on Wednesday leading into the rest of the week is the fucking cops and these jackboot 
fucking violent, itching for a fight worse than the protesters' cunts. Just, they... Cops love violence, and if anyone has been to or seen any sort of left-wing protest in most Western countries, they have seen cops fucking overreach far too quickly on what is usually peaceful fucking protests. Like, my favourite yeah. example at the moment, favourite for the worst reasons, is the IMARC protest, where a bunch of leftists, no more than a couple hundred, were out the front going, we think fossil fuel executives should fuck off, and the cops rode a horse through the crowd and broke someone's legs. Yeah. And these people are just like, oh, the cops need to join us. The cops are on our side. What the fuck? They're being violent. And like, welcome to activism, bro. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's it, 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 it's wild that there hasn't been, not that I would advocate for such a thing, left or right on the spectrum, but it is wild that there has not been more police violence, considering the kind of violence you meet at a left-wing protest, or even just being a person living in, living in Australia with its manner of cops. I think part of the reason why these protests haven't been so violent is that they were being live streamed and they want to try to avoid that coming out. They also tried to ban news helicopters under the pretense that um, protesters were using them to evade the cops, which I thought was fucking amazing. Um, But I think another reason is that cops are bullies and they know these people will fight back. I genuinely think that until they can get the rubber bullet guys lined up and the riot cops lined up, these cops do not want to get into a punch-on. But if they reckon that it's a crowd of mostly peaceniks who won't fight back or who won't be good at fighting back, they go fucking ham. They fucking love it. They are bullies. And they will not hesitate to be jackboot cunts to people. A bunch of the footage that we've seen come out, I mean, Lisa, you're right, we haven't seen it against the, the, the large mass of people, but there's been heaps of footage of cops like body slamming someone headfirst into the, the ground at a train station. Mm-hmm. There was footage of the fucking special operations group getting out of an unmarked van and instantly putting someone onto the ground and essentially black bagging him, arresting him and taking him away in, a, in an unmarked four-wheel drive. And when they can pick people off like that, fucking love it. The cops yeah. absolutely fucking love it. It's also the case, like the 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 when they were shooting rubber bullets at them, there was you know um, the aerial footage there of the people running away from the cops, like further into the park, and the cops as a sort of front following them in and chasing them, and you can still hear the rubber bullets going off, like they're shooting at people's backs. Like, it's it's not like, oh, you know, there's somebody rushing at me and I need to protect myself and this is the last sort of line of defense that I have is opening fire with a potentially lethal weapon. It's like, oh, he's going to get away. I'm going to get him. Wait, McLean, excuse me, McLean, are you implying that Vic Pohl use violence unnecessarily and for their own benefit? <laughs> I'm explying it, Lisa. <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm clutching my pearls. <laughs> yeah, the video that you the video that you mentioned, Mitch, was really uh I found very distressing because you know, obviously as 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 a leftist I've seen that kind of stuff at protests. And I certainly don't care who the person in the video was affiliated with, but the the video of this cop just slamming someone's head into the ground. Apropos of nothing, by the way, like the person was just standing there calmly talking to other cops. Probably being really fucking annoying, but absolutely not. Oh, worth sure. It. Yeah, absolutely not a danger. And what what's amazing though is the 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 the, the normal people's kind of reaction to this video, which was so 
just people were reaching so far in defense of cops. Like, people will pull any old shit out of their ass just to come to the fence. Like, the video clearly states that someone is just standing there calmly talking and then a cop comes from off screen from behind this person and slams his head into the ground. Uh, people were like, oh, this, this person, you know, might have had a concealed weapon and he might have been mentally ill and he might have been yelling at them. It's like, you could see he wasn't. You could see yeah. in the video he was doing nothing. They establish a context that doesn't exist and isn't necessary to say maybe that cop shouldn't have body slammed this guy and his head shouldn't have hit the ground. Like, what I, if he I, had nukes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, I've, I've, as you said, Lisa. Like, I am a leftist and I've been to protests and I've seen quite a bit of like you know unwarranted and horrific violence towards protesters. And even just seeing that short clip made me just flinch. It's- Shocking. Yeah. Genuinely shocking. Like, even if, like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of contexts where I'm like, maybe it's okay. Just fantasy contexts where it would be okay for a cop to sneak up behind somebody and slam their head into the ground. And even the context where the thing that the guy is saying is, I consent to being thrown to the ground and having my head <laughs> smashed in. Oh, even God. then, I'm like, probably fucking shouldn't. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it's so fucked. We've talked a lot. It's also I just want to make one more point on this as well. <laughs> is this cop comes up, clearly fucking assaults this guy in a potentially lethal manner. Like you can easily die by having your head smashed into the ground like that. Like that it's really, really fucked to do that. And then every other cop who's there helps hold him down instead of being like, Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> Our so- colleague. Sorry to Stop. bring everything back to football, but <laughs> 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 but like the 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 major tenant of, like, modern Australian rules football is fucking protect the head. The head is the most sacred part. You do not injure it. Anyone who injures another person's head gets suspended for, like, several weeks if, like, you know, if not the rest of the season. Um, you know, head injuries are very, very seriously taken. Concussion, maybe less so, but that's, like, another issue. Anyway, <laughs> actual actual blows to the head, whether it be accidental or deliberate, are considered very seriously in fucking sporting leagues. And apparently yeah. the defence is just made up here that any sort of outside thing is a reason to do this. This cop, what they did was like just slam dunk worse than a king hit, just unambiguously. Yeah. Mm. And the fact that anyone is defending this is so fucked. And the fact that those fucking other cops who were standing nearby didn't respond as though they just witnessed a violent, unprovoked assault. Instead, they were like, well, this is part of our usual daily routine of being a cop. Because obviously it fucking is, but oh, uh, it's look. just sickening. Oh, look, it's Barry the Bad Apple. Oh. <laughs> oh, there he is. We're all standing up for our mate Barry the Bad Apple. He's one of the good ones. It's almost like police, the inherent function of the police is not to defuse a situation uh, rather than to add more violence to it. Yeah, it'll scare people. Yeah. The, 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 the point there is we need to ensure that people recognise that if you display any kind of rebellion, you will be met with violent force. And it doesn't really matter if you're being violently rebellious right now. If you're in a position of violent rebellion or even peaceful rebellion, the police are here to remind you that the state will fuck you up corporeally. It's something we've brought up a lot on the podcast of just how much Dan Andrews fucking loves cops. And the reason why it's worth focusing on the violence that cops did at these protests and how we need to just unambiguously 
stand against it is because this will be used against leftist protests. We are all going to be out on the street much more in the next 10, 20 years when we try to force any sort of action on climate change. (laughs) And we do not want these cops not only having the literal power uh, through weapons and the legislative power, but also the social power to do this sort of shit. You need to stand against state power even when it's used against really terrible dickheads, which is... Part of why this conversation is so difficult and requires so much fucking nuance and equivocation is because there's no one to barrack for when the cops beat Nazis. <laughs> and I, I feel like I should barrack for someone. It's my team Mitch, sport. get a sport. Guys, Mitch, get a fucking sport. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How many times do I have to keep telling you in this podcast, get a fucking sport? Oh, but we can't bloody yeah. pick the AFL because it wrapped up. They figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the the cops versus neo-Nazi thing, is it kind of reminds me of a, of a, of a line in uh, Black Books where... Uh, he's trying to the the character is trying to decide between two ridiculously boring things, and oh. he says, "Oh, I'll have to flip a coin and hope it somehow explodes and kills me." <laughs> <laughs> Look, let's let's wrap this fucking retrospective of the week that was up. Um, yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Thursday, not much uh, protest happens to speak of. Friday and Saturday, um, it is a very very small gathering of people, and there's fuck all high visit both of them. It's it's just the fucking kooks. It's the conspiracy theorists. It's the white nationalists all sort of getting together and storming around. They come up to Northcote and they scare my new dog because of the helicopters that have to be in my fucking area. And <laughs> I felt so fucking indignant. Like I really did want to go down there and yell. I mean, it wouldn't have helped and it would have gotten in the way and I probably would have got fucking arrested too. But like in my fucking parks near my house, fuck off away from here, you fucks. Um, and then Saturday they go to St Kilda and the same thing. It's a few dozen people, maybe low hundreds. And it was fascinating to see how quickly something like this burnt out that did seem to have momentum. Like we've all seen rallies that, you know, there's a big turnout one day and nothing happens the next day. And if they try to do it maybe next week, nothing happens and it slowly starts to fizzle. But the fact that it did build and it seemed like it was going to continue for the whole week just instantly fell off a fucking cliff by midweek. Partly because of the shrine and partly because of the lack of coordination and organization, I think. It was just it was just too hard. I was watching one of the telegram groups. It was so hard for them to find each other. And people were like, what the fuck? You said fucking 3 p.m. at fucking Northcote. What the fuck? Where is it? And, uh, <laughs> like All of their energy is going into finding each other as opposed to marching and protesting and whatnot. And also, I reckon after Tuesday, big march up the bridge, big march back again. You're going to be tuckered out. Like You're going to be bloody. You're going to have... Especially if you bought like work boots and were wearing them for the first time ever, they probably had blisters. <laughs> like they're all sore. They need a foot rub. Like of course it's gonna fucking fizzle. But it was close for a while. It's interesting that you were like it, early on. We were saying like these these the first few protests are something that like you know are sort of a, like a, a the, to say the the leftist sweat dream sort of thing where they're like evading the cops. There's a ton of energy sort of thing that is like, but maybe that sort of thing is not sustainable either. Like we saw pre-pandemic the the Fridays for Future um, climate action protests sort of were happening every week and they weren't necessarily building week on week but they they did have you know spikes and troughs and they weren't fizzling out I think you know years of lockdown uh, didn't help uh, sort of weekly large-scale in-person, in-person <laughs> yeah. gathering um, and, and and the fact that I think that there's not a huge overlap between climate active activists and anti-lockdown protesters willing to defy the... Like, anyway, that, 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 it's just interesting to sort of think about, like, it's really hard to know what's useful when you can see something like that. That particular element looks great, 
But what if that particular element comes with something that's deeply poisonous to a longer term movement? <laughs> or like, oh, it's, it's mm. fucking, it's hard to, it's hard to know. <laughs> ah, <laughs> why can't things be simple? <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, that's you know, the 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 rundown and the interesting takeaways that I had while I was fucking because I was I was lucky enough to have a week off work as well, so I was just fucking <laughs> mainlining this shit all week. This is the yeah, intersection Mitch. of all of my interest. If they had blasted the new LLNN album at the top of the Westgate Bridge, I would have gone out there. <laughs> Sorry, like, I just I would have been I would have been done. It's everything. You were glued to the Twitch streams for like Fuck. three days straight. The, the only thing they're missing out is a game of Dungeons and Dragons, but if that had oh. happened, it would have turned into LARPing immediately, which is now past the other side of being too <laughs> Back into being good. Uh, for me, the, the real, <laughs> it, the interesting takeaway for me was like seeing people's reactions to what they perceived the protest to be about as the days yeah. went on. So, like last week, I don't regret like anything that I said in the podcast last week about like, you know, work sucking no, and no. like, and, and people should definitely like, have the be emboldened to um, protest against their jobs or their bosses in a way that empowers them and brings them the results as they need. Um, but a lot of the response that I saw to people who genuinely believed the entire bunch of people were tradies was, I don't understand why tradies who have been working this entire time through the pandemic um, are complaining because yeah. I've had it really bad and I've been shat on in my job. It's like, once again, like it's just revisiting the same thing that we talked about the other week, which is everyone's really frustrated and angry right now. And of course, you know, Nazis and, you know, various conspiracy theorists have taken advantage of the fact that there is a level of discontent in a particular industry and in the one industry that was very ready to strike about it. Um, and it's it's really hard to sort of cut through the grass in this way to sort of explain to people like just regular people who are watching these protests and say well yeah conditions are bad everyone's struggling right now people shouldn't have to be working in precarious work um people shouldn't have to be struggling while they're unemployed um to get any sort of money just in order to survive and this year is a lot fucking worse than last year and people should be mistrustful of the government yeah mm -hmm. Yeah. People should also be going on fucking strike. Yeah. Well, well, these teachers and nurses had super bad conditions and they didn't go on strike. They well, maybe they fucking should. <laughs> I'm sorry. On that, though, actually, at time of recording, we're recording midday Sunday, uh, the 26th, so we'll see what fucking happens. There are rumours circulating, actually, that healthcare workers and the healthcare unions are planning a strike action in the week coming up. And oh. it's definitely going to be co-opted or at least there's going to be an attempt to co-opt it by the kooks again. How they but, <laughs> Oh, I mean, it's going to be tough for the sorry. healthcare workers. To <laughs> sorry, I'm just but imagining like them cosplaying as nurses. Are they going to go to a sex shop and just get like a hat <laughs> that way? <laughs> Try and blend uh, in. Wearing a stethoscope. What do they think a nurse looks like? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Buy scrubs. We can't buy them. Break into a hospital and steal them. Just blend just in. Everyone show up and look extremely fucking tired. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's... 
it's this, it's going to pose a problem for all the people that spent this week going. I didn't get any support in the arts, <laughs> or the, you know, the teachers weren't getting supports. Nurses, you don't see them going on strike. If they finally do go on strike, how many of those lick spittles are going to be coming up? Going like, yeah, good one. I always supported the idea of you guys going on strike. Yeah, great. I stand with you, Fuck Victoria's you. healthcare workers. I do stand with you, Victoria healthcare workers. Solidarity if you strike next week, and 100%. if you don't, even more solidarity. I love you, Lisa. I, I should I should intervene here to say that. You were working last year during the pandemic as you were mm. an essential worker. Um, also, we should stand up and applaud for a minute just for the sake of that because thank you to you for working. <laughs> I'm going to the end of my driveway right now. I'll be <laughs> <laughs> but, like, th- this must be interesting for you to see, like, in like from that perspective of, like, you know, seeing what – like, having been through this and knowing the kind of pressures that frontline workers face. Yeah, I um I was working in disability support last year and um I actually when I started my job I was in community support and then <laughs> I started this job probably 3 weeks before the pandemic happened. Ah. <laughs> and uh, uh the company I work for moved most of community support workers into uh supported independent living um which are just residential houses that uh that people with disabilities live together in with support and uh so i worked a huge amount last year i I worked uh, very much more than full time uh because there's nothing but hours and nothing but work it was a really complex situation because on the one hand i was very happy to be earning more money than i've earned in a long time um which is nice because i'm not used to having money uh but I was also incredibly tired, incredibly frustrated. You know, there were interpersonal problems between some of the some of the staff, which is which is a completely different issue. But uh, I was I, I was at least happy that the company I worked for was very good at dealing with COVID related issues. Um, you know, so whenever there was somebody getting a test, you know, it would be relayed to anyone relevant. Um, you know, heaps of PPE available, heaps of, uh, support if you, uh, had to get tested. Uh, and, uh, I didn't know anyone who, who, who got COVID, either a worker or a, or a client. But, uh, you know, there was always really vocal support available for that, which I was happy for. Again, that's my personal experience. I don't know if other disability organizations had that. And there's, there would absolutely definitely be, <laughs> um, organizations horror stories probably yes oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah. so you know this this was just my experience but the um the one of the one of the interesting interactions i had very early on um it was basically during uh during the first lockdown and i was watching the watching the news with one of the other workers who uh I immediately realized we were not going to get along after this conversation because <laughs> we were watching Dan Andrews talk about the idea of this impending lockdown and what it would mean, and it was all very new at the time. And she immediately took umbrage to the idea of lockdown. And I said, well, I'm happy to be forced to stay home if it means that I don't get sick and make the client sick or make anyone else sick. And she said, forced? That's capitalism. 
And immediately I realised she meant communism. (laughs) 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 Oh, she's so close. See, they're so close to being right. Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah, and then she also started to go on a spiel about how being in lockdown isn't what the Anzac stood for. And I just just thought it's such a strange mishmash of ideas that make no coherent sense altogether. And but but unfortunately, like she stayed that way throughout the entire year I worked there. She never budged from the idea that lockdowns were actually incredibly helpful, and you know it was about protecting vulnerable people who we literally worked for. (laughs) It was it was very strange to have her maintain that idea all the way through. Um, But yeah, the interesting, I guess, comparison to that is that. My work finished uh, a few months ago. Uh, it was uh, slightly pandemic-related. Basically, the program I worked in was closed by the organization I work for um, due to a combination of factors. A lot of it was was financial that would have been uh, hugely, hugely impacted by, by the pandemic, but also just in general the fuckery of the NDIS. And it's been, obviously, as someone who is, uh, aware of social and political things that happened in the country, I was aware of the absolute lack of support that people have had this year, and now I am unfortunately feeling that. <laughs> uh, in not that it's made me more empathetic, you know, uh, I'm I'm obviously <laughs> now, <laughs> now I give a shit because it affects me personally. <laughs> I have a telegram you'd, I'd like you to join. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, yeah, it, it, it really has been a, a very sharp adjustment because I went from, you know, having a huge amount of money to having to deal with Centrelink and Woof. the nightmare that that always is. But especially now when, uh, when Morrison's government is very much tightening the purse strings and uh, only allowing the barest of crumbs for people who, who need whole cookies. <laughs> and <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredibly disappointing and... The anecdotal evidence that I've been hearing about people who are uh, eating away at their savings, basically, I um, yeah, I actually can't receive Centrelink at the moment because I was given a slight payout from my work, um, and so basically they that that that's what they expect. They expect you to eat through all of your savings until they deign to pay you, and then obviously you never get your head above water again because you can't afford to put away savings on a Centrelink payment. Mm. Uh, so you're just constantly treading water um and it's it's just this cycle of unfortunate circumstances upon unfortunate circumstances that never never really has any major pro- i'm sorry to be a bummer <laughs> no no no. <laughs> it's not it's not it's not doomerism it's our doomerism. listeners know what they're signing up for. <laughs> what you're saying is like it's one of those things where um like one of those tenets and like people talking about solidarity with other people regardless of, like, you know, what you think their wage might be, if they are also in a working job where they only get, like, their pay and not necessarily the profits of their labour, which is Mm. that you're always a paycheck or two away from total financial disaster where if you don't get it, everything just stops. Your rent stops, Mm -hmm. being able Mm. to afford food stops, and – Centrelink doesn't make up for that, and not only does it not make up for that, if you have the temerity to try to save for a rainy day, it will make you eat through all that first before it will give you the crumbs. 
So fucked. Just this mm. uh, this idea that what we want is people coming out of a pandemic with no savings or money. So like, it's only fair and no super. Yeah, it's only fair that you use all your money now, because once we come back out of the pandemic, I don't know, you'll have it all again or something. So yeah. Uh, oh no. my god, Lisa, you just reminded me. Like even just last year, just the, the temerity to make people beg for scraps to the point where you can go through your super and rob mm. from your future self to try to like get by and survive in the present. And then like, you know, then they'll tell you later on in like 20 years time, oh, why didn't you save the much in your super? Go fuck yourself. I was yeah, trying to survive. Robbing Peter to pay Peter. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. Sorry, I was dumb. I, it, it was interesting talking to people when I was, when I was working a lot during the, during the lockdown because uh, people, even though you're working in, you know, with vulnerable people and so you're constantly kind of anxious about getting sick and making them sick and obviously, uh, you know, the people I was working with would not have handled getting COVID well at all. So there's that constant anxiety of of affecting these, these vulnerable people. And but, but, but still, because we live under capitalism, when you tell people that you've been working a lot in lockdown, they say, oh, that's good. Like it's good that you've still been able to work because, uh, because there's no support from from Centrelink. Mm-hmm. So you either work or you starve. Like there's no there's no safety net, and so and people know that. People know that if you're not working, if you weren't working in lockdown, it was code for yeah, my finances are fucked. It's 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 a thing where like I I have you know been stably employed through the the pandemic, and that that is for sure a line that you know I deploy in like little small talk sort of scenarios. It's like, oh, have you been? Oh yeah, not bad. I mean, obviously works intact, so I'm doing okay, which is ridiculous. Oh hey, how are you doing in one of the worst crises the world has seen in like the last hundred years? Oh well, at least I'm laboring. <laughs> yeah, I'm still working <laughs> on the bright side. What the fuck? Yeah yeah nobody I mean, nobody ever really. You know, when you talk to someone about the everything, capital E, everything that's happening. <laughs> oh, you know, the, the the state of things. Yeah, yes, this just just all the stuff. The 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 question so the question of like your mental health and your day to day life just comes so far down the list of like what's going on because you know it's like well I'm 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 working and 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 this is happening and this is happening and I'm not coping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Despite it all, I'm still pr- I'm pretty fucked mentally, but I've got a I've got a paycheck. But mm. I mean, that's the thing. Linking it all back in, th- McLean, you mentioning that one of the first things that comes up is how you've still got a job and it's still good. That's pervasive in Australia as a as a thought pattern. It's all over the Western world as well. Hey, I'm guilty of it too. We all fucking are. I have mentioned yeah, yeah. that plenty of times. So imagine. A whole bunch of angry tradies being told that they might lose their job pretty quick. Yeah. Like the, mm. the reason why we saw that anger is because we have a society that is, in a way, set up to go: you're nothing if you're not your job, and especially blue collar jobs, especially construction tradies and jobs like that. The, the 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 mythos around them is that, like, you know, you didn't, you're not getting a useless bloody PhD in philosophy or something like that. I mean, <laughs> a fucking idiot would do that, which I fully 100 percent agree with. What you're doing is working to support your family. Good on you, mate, for getting out there. You and your your personality, your whole being is is the breadwinner who's a who's a who's a good worker who's providing for people. You try to take that away from people, 
And of course they will fucking lash out against it. Where the unions mm. have failed, where politicians have failed, and where I think the broader society has failed is in this notion of providing other avenues for fulfilment of people's of people's personalities, of their sense of a good life, of what it means to be in a society. Part of that is being looked after in these things. Part of that is not having your entire existence tied to your job. And we've we fucked it. And we've we're seeing now what happens when a pandemic comes along. It was smooth sailing enough when everything was just working just right. And then we've seen we've seen the consequences of this shit now. Oh, I don't think things have been working just right for a just for a barely while. <laughs> but they, they but they have. You're sort of forgetting about the climate crisis, Mitch. No, no, no. But, but what I'm saying is the stability was in place to let things peter along just enough. We haven't seen mass protests and riots. We haven't seen this outpouring of fear from people because everyone is sort of vaguely aware of some issue bubbling along in the background. And we do know that obviously we need to fix climate change and whatnot. That has started to change. But it's like from the fucking, you know, 90s and early 2000s, it was, ah, it's all smooth sailing. (laughs) It wasn't. It was absolutely fucked, but we were just stable enough for the majority of people to go, ah, shit's all right. And it wasn't. And now we're seeing how it wasn't because we were not immune to a crisis. It was interesting anecdotally to see people react last year to when the welfare payments were up substantially. I mean, I'm still still not great compared to you know other other places in the uh, in the world, but just generally people were better. They were happier. They were more yeah. able to live any kind of a life because they had you know slightly more crumbs from the government uh and that was that was that that's part of the reason that people are so dejected this year because we realized that they could like they could give us this more money they choose not to and they they saw that people were just you know living better lives you know in terms of like hey i didn't have to choose between a bill and food this year i was able i was able to do both yeah uh heaven forfend one of our friends um was telling me the other day um, that, like, just being able to buy nice things that she normally wouldn't be able to afford when she was on Centrelink, like new clothes, not even clothes just for fun, like just being able to have a life that isn't just out of constantly thinking about where the next meal or next, like, essential thing is going to come from. Like, and, and people constantly love to, like, vet people on how well off they are, like, of what on what their visible sort of a, a, attributes are. I know an AUWU person who was criticised because they had headphones in a profile picture that they had uh, and someone decided to yeah. have a go at them about that, as if poor people are not allowed to have things that just bring them enjoyment. And You've got to use your savings for that. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> and, and, th- and that's what, like, the, the supplement actually enabled for the first time for so many people is just to have things just for the sake of it, just to enjoy life and not have it be just a fucking grind. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Shout outs this week. We want to have a quick shout out to the distinguished uh, gentlemen, the the scientists and mathematicians who are probably in their 50s, who are running COVID Base Australia. It's this Twitter site that was collating all the data about um, where COVID is and the vaccines and all the sort of stats that you would care about. And uh, oh, sorry, I'm looking at Twitter now and they're fucking children. 
They are the people running one of the best fucking information sources on everything to do with COVID in Australia has been run this entire time by uh, Jack, Wesley and Darcy, uh, who posted a picture recently saying, oh, we just had our first, first dose of Moderna because they just opened it up to 12 to 15 year olds. <laughs> and a whole bunch of all of us everywhere went, oh, fuck. <laughs> Very good kids. <laughs> It's, it's if you haven't seen it, check out um, COVID Base AU on Twitter. It's some of the most in-depth and comprehensive stats on this whole thing that is also presented in an extremely readable way up top. It's fucking amazing. And they've got a Patreon as well. We'll put the Patreon in the show notes. These kids are fucking killing it. It's, um, it's so good. It's not just the presentation of stats. They have really great analysis too and like really good sort yeah. of well-thought-out predictions that like is based on everything that they've been able to obtain from various different sources from the government and from like other vaccine hubs and that sort of thing. It's just really fantastic. And as you said, just displayed in a way that is so easy to understand and pass along to other people. Love them. Love them. They're great. Just another arrow in my quiver for the the idea that we could replace the whole government with basically any other demographic, just randomly selected, <laughs> we'd be better off. And here we know if yep. we just randomly selected a bunch of 12 to 15-year-olds and replaced the one-to-one with the government, we, we come on, we would be better off. <laughs> just for sure. Lisa, thanks heaps for coming on the show this week. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Oh, the uh, the concept of empathy. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> I was wondering if you had a podcast you might want to hear. <laughs> uh, yes, well, you can uh, You can either follow me personally on Twitter at LisaDib1, Dib with one B, um, or you can follow my podcast at ReanimatesPod. Uh, yeah, it's, look, I think I think it's a good time, even if you're not into horror movies or Jeffrey Combs. Uh you could just be into me. That's fine. <laughs> Hell yeah. The podcaster ethos. No, it's a, fu- it's a fucking fantastic pod. I would recommend everyone go checks it out. And our own Tom Lang was on uh, very recently. Mm-hmm. So we'll put a link to his episode in the show notes there. Everyone should listen and just establish like a parasocial relationship with not just us, but also the extended universe <laughs> that we yeah. also have on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just delude yourself into thinking you're our friends. Think you think you're our friends with our friends. Oh, speaking <laughs> speaking of as well, um, I did the potluck on the Ozpol Snack Pod podcast oh, this week, and they referred to us as a sister podcast, which I, I oh, very much beautiful. appreciate. Hmm. They're very they're very very fucking good at keeping me abreast of things that even I miss through the week. So check them out as well. But mainly check out Reanimates. If you're going to do one, sorry, Ozpol, it has to be Reanimates this week. <laughs> Yay! I win the content wars. Yes, you did. <laughs> but no, Lisa, thanks so much for coming on. That was fucking great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I have learned things <laughs> and I am a better person. And now I'm going to go uh, go fight a cop. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts or just tell a friend. You can also get in touch with us at Not Good Pod on all the socials. Or email us at notgoodpod at protonmail.com. Hell yeah. So clear. What's Proton Mail? <laughs> <laughs> I'll bite. <laughs> They're an encrypted email service if you email Proton Mail to Proton Mail. And uh, they had like a big uh, data breach a little while ago. They gave some information to the cops or something. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sure that's fine. We always give a little shout out by virtue of the fact that we just happen to use them. We're not sponsored. And now we're definitely not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> 
Not good enough is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We want to pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.